Our scripture reading today is Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 and 20 through 24. When all the nations had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, one from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. <clears throat> then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And those stone, 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, when he, which he dried for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Thanks. Hey, uh, kids, we have more of you in the room than we normally do right now, and I'm really glad that you're with us, uh, just because it's the, a holiday Sunday, lighter footprint next door, fewer volunteers. We've got our elementary class here. We also have our preschool class in the room with us, and I'm really excited. I'm going to need your help uh, at different points during my sermon, kids, so I'm really looking forward to you being in here with me. And uh, I, I do want to, oh yeah, at the beginning of the first service, we asked this question, we're like, hey, who all was in bed before midnight? And wouldn't you know, for the nine o'clock service, like 98% of the room had gone to bed before midnight. So let's just ask the same question. I just want to see how it pans out for the 11. How many of you stayed up past midnight last night? Eh, not quite, but more of you. So it makes sense that you're here in the, the second. I also want to commend, um, uh, if you're in the room uh, and you happen to be an Ohio State fan or a Georgia fan, are there any of you in here? Ohio State. Wow, look at you. Wow. All right. Thanks, buddy. Well, let me just commend your choice for being in the room uh, with God's family, worshiping Jesus while your two teams are playing their championship football game. Way to put Jesus first and college football <laughs> second. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Let's pray, and uh, we'll get right down to work. Father, we press into a new year, and uh, some of us press in carrying some burdens. Others press in with a lot of uncertainty for what's to come. Some of us press in, and we're really excited about what's to come. And uh, So, Father, regardless of where our heart's at, wherever our hearts may be, uh, Jesus, I pray that you would be present in power and that you would give hope and rest and peace uh, especially for those who are weary and heavy laden and in need of rest. I pray, Jesus, that you would be our rest this morning, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. This morning, we're going to talk about remembering. Uh, it's a new year, 
And there's a question in my house that's been made popular by one of my sons, and that question is, Dad, is it tomorrow yet? Is it tomorrow yet? Is it ever tomorrow yet? Kids, how would you answer that question? If somebody asked you, hey, is it tomorrow yet? What's the answer to that question? No, is it ever tomorrow? When does it become tomorrow? Is it tomorrow yet? That's a question we like to ask when we're looking forward to something, right? So we're in a new year with 364 tomorrows. That's a lot of tomorrows to ask. Is it here yet? Um, So kids, I'm going to need your help. Let's answer a couple of questions. And the first question is, since we have 364 tomorrows in this new year, we'll start over here um, and go section by section. Kids, what's one thing that you're looking forward to that's going to happen on one of the tomorrows this year? For example, I know you're all excited about Tuesday or Wednesday because on that tomorrow, you go back to school. So that, <laughs> all right, any, uh, anything you're looking forward to, kids? Yes. Can I say that out loud in this room? All right, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why don't you say it out loud? Tell the whole church. I'm excited that my mom's having a baby. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Thanks, Bria. I don't want to be the one to, like, break the... All right. Cool. We're all excited about that. Yeah. All right, kids, middle row. What are you excited about? What's one thing happening this year you're excited about? Lorelai. Oh, that'll be special. That's really sweet. That's really sweet. Lorelai's going to watch the sunset with her daddy today. That's really sweet, Lorelai. I think I saw someone else. Yes, sir. Your birthday, when's your birthday? July 9th. July 9th, we're almost birthday buddies. I'm a July birthday also, so okay. Almost every kid in the room wanted to shout out their birthday in the first service. We're all looking forward to that. All right, kids, how about in this section, one thing you're looking forward to this year? Birthday. Birthday. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you, I see, go ahead. No, all right. Anybody else, kids? All right, how about adults? One thing you're looking forward to in a tomorrow this year that you know is going to happen. Man, we got to do some work on this year. This is not looking good. Yes. Get married. Get married. Okay, we can give a round of applause for that. I would be looking forward to it also if she could come over here and we could have the wedding right here and I could officiate. Because I'm telling you, you don't get to officiate any weddings in Okinawa. It just doesn't really happen here as much as other places. All right. Let's change gears a little bit. Um, Let's answer this question. What's one thing, kids, that you are not looking forward to? One thing you do not want to happen this year? Any section. Yes, Lorelai. Naps? Yeah, I feel you. All right, no naps. Yes. Naps. Okay, parents, take note. We have two no votes on naps. Owen, what's yours, buddy? No school. No school. Yeah. Uh, I made the mistake, kids, in the first service of mentioning how I don't look forward to eating vegetables any day this year. Uh, But then I apologize to all the parents, so I'm not going to repeat that. You should eat your veggies. Uh, Your parents... uh, Oh, wow. 
Lauren, was there anything else about the family that we could talk about in the, in the service this morning? Homemade hummus is impressive. All right, I'm going to take two more kids and then we'll press on. What you got? Not going to Okinawa. You would like to leave Okinawa. Is that what you're saying? Okay, that's okay. No, you want to be in Okinawa. Okay, great. That's good. Good, okay. You, not going to round one. Yeah, that's like Chuck E. Cheese on steroids. I would stay away from round one, too. Weston, I'll give you the last one, buddy. Weston, last one. You don't want to read book five of Harry Potter? Oh, you can't read book five of Harry Yeah, all right. This is great, Lauren. This is great. We should do this every Sunday, parents. I learned so much about your families. Pregnancies, books. All right, let's press on. Here's what I want to say. Um, 364 tomorrows. There are things we know and things we don't know. There are things that we are looking forward to and there are things that we are not looking forward to. So here's the question. As followers of Jesus, what should our posture be as we sit as 364 tomorrow sit in front of us full of things that we don't like, don't want, wouldn't choose for ourselves, and full of a lot of uncertainty. What I want to show you this morning from God's Word is that this right here should be the posture of God's people, not because we're excited about every day or what's to come, but because we, have a, we know we have a faithful God who will be there with us, and that's this. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So kids, I'm going to need your help repeating that throughout the sermon today. Uh, let's see if we can say it together uh, in unison. Ready? How should we feel about tomorrow? Tomorrow, the Lord. Yeah, wonders among you. Uh, some of us, we don't really use the word wonders in uh, our everyday speech. You could also say, Tomorrow, the Lord's going to do amazing things among us. You could say, Tomorrow, the Lord's going to do impossible things among us. You could say, Tomorrow, the Lord is going to do miraculous things among us. It's all the same word group. And sometimes for our hearts, it's helpful to understand tomorrow may literally be the next 24 hours. But so often in life, especially in the Bible, we see tomorrow presented as a season of life that's in front of us, not necessarily an immediate promise that will be fulfilled in the 24 hours, but there's a future hope tomorrow God's going to do wonderful things among us, okay? What kind of things, kids? Wonderful things. Let's get a little louder, a little more enthusiasm. What kind of things? All right, let's break it down into three pieces as we work through the text this morning. Here they are. Uh, first, I want us together to look. We're going to stand at a river's edge, and we're going to look forward, okay? And then we're going to cross that river together, and we're going to stack some rocks, and we're going to look back. And we'll talk about why it's important to look back. And after our rocks are stacked, we're going to pivot away from the river a little bit, and I would like to just speak to those of you who... Um, feel more like you are sitting in a pile of rubble and your strength is fading in that pile of rubble. And I want to encourage you as you sit in that pile of rubble to feel the freedom simply to look up. Just to, just to realize that it's okay that you probably cannot get yourself out of that pile on your own and to cry out to God. Okay? So standing at the river, stacking a pile of rocks, and strength fading in the rubble. So we're in Joshua chapter 3 and Joshua chapter 4. 
And the point that we're at in the life of God's people is a famous leader who led them out of slavery in Egypt has died. Kids, who would that famous leader be? I heard a voice in there. That was a deep kid's voice. All right, Moses, right, Moses. And who took over after Moses? Joshua, okay? So this is Joshua's kind of first day uh, leading God's people. And you know that they're leaving Egypt. They wandered through the wilderness and they're going to the promised land, which is to them a place of rest. But they have one more big hurdle before they get to that rest, and that is to cross a river. And so in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Then Joshua rose early. Uh, they set out from their city. They came to the Jordan River he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. So they have to pass over a big river before they can have their rest, the Jordan River. So let's explore the Jordan River together. And kids, I'm going to need your help a little bit. Um, kids, I need, who would, uh, if you think you're the tallest kid in the room, or some of the tallest, I need you to come down front, please, if you're comfortable. Oh, come on down. Anybody else? We had a little, uh, we had a little, it almost, almost escalated to fisticuffs in the first service. Does anybody think they're taller? Kids. All right, come on down, Othniel. We'll see. Oh, come right in the middle. Turn your back. All right, we'll get a third in here. Let's, let's, okay, come back here. Shoulder to shoulder. Come in. Shoulder to shoulder. Oh, this is getting serious, boys. Okay, you stand like right here, right here. Face out, face out. We got like even, even. All right, so this is perfect. You two, come down here. You'll be, you'll be the deep, deep end, okay? Right here, right there, right next to him. You guys will come right before him. And this is perfect because our water is growing in depth. Now, if you think you're among the shortest kids in the room and you're comfortable like being in that space, <laughs> come right down with Owen, okay, right here. So about Owen's height. Anybody else want to come down? There you are, Raiden. I knew you'd come, Lorelai. Probably right here on the side. Raiden, let's see, probably in the middle. Maybe, maybe. Oh, oh man, we got a whole, come on, come on. <laughs> perfect, perfect, wherever you want to stand. This is perfect, perfect. Okay, so here's our Jordan River, just so we can visually get our minds around this. In normal seasons, the Jordan River was anywhere from two feet deep, so like half, half of you right? Half of you, because you're almost four feet. Uh, anyway, okay, two feet, four feet, and we're going in depth, and then all the way in the middle, it would be um, up to 10 feet tall. So two of these guys, you'd have to stand on his shoulders to be like the deep end of the Jordan River, but that's the normal season. When they come to the Jordan River, we're in flood stage, flood stage. So flood stage is you, 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 duck, 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 no goose. Like you guys would all stand on each other's shoulders past the ceiling. That's the shallow end. The deep end of the Jordan River in flood stage would be you, 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 and you. Shoulders past the ceiling, 20, 25, 30 feet tall. Okay? So kids, now let me ask you this question. How many of you would feel comfortable stepping into the shallow end of the river if it was this deep? A few of you would try, of course you would try, but let me ask you guys, if the river was that deep with those boys all the way on each other's shoulders, could you walk across that river? No, no way, no way. One last visual just so you get, 
I know, uh, you, okay, Owen would use a snorkel mask, he'd find a way across the river. That would be my son. All right, hey, last visual, Jordan River during like just normal seasons, maybe as wide as this room where it's skinny, uh, maybe 100 feet wide. But in flood season, as it is right now, the Jordan River would start at this window, and who parks at the USO? Me! <laughs> the Jordan River would go all the way to the USO. So imagine having to leave this building, get back to your car, cross a raging river, no boat, no bridge. Can you do it? Me! You cannot do it. All right, let's give a round of applause for our Jordan River. Good job, guys. Go ahead and sit down. Great job, kids. Now listen, we did all of that work just to make one point. The Jordan River represents an impossibility. It's not possible. You, you, 40,000 people cannot cross the Jordan River in flood stage. It won't happen. Impossible. But then we just read, uh, tomorrow God's going to do wonderful things among you. So for some of us, we're like, no, that's the cheap, like, fake happy, clappy version of Christianity that we hate because it doesn't deal with real life. Like, stop with the pretend everything's going to be okay. Life is full of flooded rivers. But what I want to show you is that statement that we read, tomorrow God is going to do wonderful things among you, was made as God's people were staring at cloudy skies, not clear skies. That statement was made as they were staring at a raging river, not a beautiful, colorful rainbow. That statement was made on the banks of an impossible, impassable river. And the statement of faith, confidence in who God is, simply stated was, we don't know what he's going to do, and we don't know how he's going to do it, but tomorrow God is going to do an amazing thing among us. So I just want you to see that. This isn't fake. This isn't cheerful when we should be down. This is just a settled confidence that God does amazing things for the good of his people in impossible situations. So let's just keep reading it. Uh, picking up in verse 5, right? Then Joshua, so on the banks of the river, Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. Now tuck that word away, kids. Consecrate. Let's put it in our pack and we'll carry it across the river with us and explore it there. Consecrate yourselves because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, all the way down in verse 13, when this, look at this, notice this, this is going to be important. So I'm going to ask you about this, kids. When the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, when the soles of their feet will rest in the waters of the Jordan, then the waters of the Jordan will be cut off from flowing and the waters coming downstream will stand in one heap. And so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark, all right, we keep saying ark, so let's just make sure we're on the same page. Kids, uh, the ark of the covenant was a symbol of God's presence with his people. In other words, if the ark was there, God was there, God's power. Not Noah's ark, this is the ark of the covenant, okay? So it, it, it means God is present in power. So kids, uh, one more trivia question for you. There were three things in the ark of the covenant. Does that, for bonus points now, does anybody know what was inside the ark? I'll start, hold on. First over here, I'll give the first shot. Can you name one of the items in the ark? Anybody over here? 
All right, I'll come back. You guys are going to pass to the middle. The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Wait, this section. God's presence, but there were three. Okay, I'm going to come back to them. I'm going to bounce it back here. Anybody else? Okay, back to the middle. What's the second thing? A jar of manna. That's in there. Okay, there's one more. It's tough. I'll give it to this side first. Nope. Coming to this. You guys are going to win the prize. This, what, what, what is it? It's a giant thing. What is it? Aaron's staff. Boy, middle section. You ran away with that. You ran away. Good job. All right. So they're carrying the ark, which means God is with them. That's what we have to understand. And the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. That's what we talked about. It's flood season. The waters coming down from above stood up and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. That's where they're going. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Okay, so here's this impossible situation. Joshua encourages people, look, don't worry about it. Tomorrow, God's going to do a wonderful thing among us. And then on the next day, as the priests step into the water, the waters stop flowing and it becomes dry ground and all the people cross. Now, if we weren't careful, that's, I mean, that's a really big deal, right? That's a very big thing that God did. That would be your viral, like, that's what all the TikTok videos were then. Like, they all came up out of the Jordan. Videos were made, like, you won't believe what's going to happen. Dry ground, da-da-da. And we would lose something very important if our only focus was on the dry ground and the people crossing. Here's what I want to show you. Remember that word consecrate that I talked about in verse 5? Consecrate means, it means pulling yourself back from your running around and get close to God, it actually means like with the sacred, okay? So I'm, I'm close to God. And what it means is rather than trying to find my hope or my confidence or my, my courage to cross the river in the river or in myself or someone else, uh, rather than trying to find my identity, my peace, my hope, my joy in a person, place, or thing, consecrate means that you understand you can't find any of those things apart from God. So you pull back and you get near to God. That's what consecrate is, near God. And you find in Him your peace and your joy and your confidence, your courage for the river. Now notice what had to come first, the river or the consecrating? The consecrating, a day before Joshua, he's like, there's no way we're crossing this river if first we are not close to God. We won't have the faith to cross. And then kids, what was that moment? Let's see if you can remember from the story. What was that very moment where the waters parted and the ground became dry? What did you see? Lorelai, what did you see? When did the water part? 22. Let's get an assist for Lorelai. Yes. Okay. 
when the sole of their foot stepped into the water. How do we live life? We're like, hey, uh, God, if you make those waters part, I'll step forward. Like an open door will mean you want me to go forward. A closed door will mean probably not your will. I'll just stay back here. Notice what he expected of them, that they would draw so near to him that their faith would be at a place where they could see the raging river and they would step in. And as they're stepping, that's when the waters part. It's as, almost as if you could say it this way. Until their souls were at rest in Jesus, there's no way that they would set their souls into the Jordan. Or we could flip that around. We will never place the soles of our feet in the Jordan River if first our souls are not at rest in Jesus. We won't have the courage to get into the Jordan. We won't have the desire to get into the Jordan. We won't believe that God is present or near or will do good things. So if, our, if all we're looking at is the river in front of us, we have fear and we shrink back. If instead of focusing on the river, we focus on our rescuer, then we have the faith to, to, um, to, to move forward and to sink our feet into the Jordan, believing that Jesus will make a way. Okay? So the more important thing than the dry ground and crossing the river is that as we press into a new year, all, every one of us, would understand that this coming year will be full of rivers, full of hard seasons. And the most important thing for us to do before we get to River's Edge is to pull back and be with Jesus, who will then give us the courage and the faith to step our souls into the Jordan River. Now, he brings them safely across. And what we see is whenever God brings his people across a river, he asks them to stack rocks. So why then, what, the question then is, why does God want us to stack rocks? Well, let's see. Chapter 4, verse 1. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua, I want you to take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan River, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place you lodged tonight. Now, let me just ask you a question, kids. You're, you're, you're in the wilderness. You have everything you own on your back in a backpack. You cross a raging river. You're tired. You're hungry. Your feet hurt. You need to change your socks. And the person in charge looks at you and says, hey, I need you to go back in the river and find the heaviest, biggest rock you can. I'm going to need you to carry that the last couple miles, all right? How would you feel about that? You want me to carry a rock? Are you serious? That's what he wanted him to do. He wanted him to carry a rock. So why? Like, why the rocks? Let's look. Let's drop down to verse 6. I want you to carry these rocks out and stack them so that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you will tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones will be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Verse 19, the people came up out of the river on the 10th day of the first month. They camped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, 
Joshua set up at Gilgal, and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you will let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So there were two very important words in there kids, we saw the word sign and we saw the word memorial, which means something that helps us remember. So why does God want us to stack rocks after he brings us through a raging river? Why? So that we remember. Well, what do we need to remember? What do you think we need to remember? We need to remember this. Life is full of flooded rivers just like the Jordan. The Jordan for us becomes symbolic of impossible situations, difficult seasons, um, um, overwhelming days where I don't see any way forward. And so the stones become for them a reminder that though life is full of flooded rivers, for every flooded Jordan, there is a faithful Jesus, and that's the reminder that we need as a family this morning, especially as we press into a new year with 364 tomorrows. Some of them you already know about the rivers that await you, impossible situations. We will all be surprised by unknown tragedy, heartache, loss, pain, um, persecution, you know, things will happen this year that will test us and overwhelm us. This year will be full, right? This is not a fake Christianity. This isn't a fake cheerfulness or a fake optimism. The gospel's very honest with us. Life is full of flooded rivers. But for every flooded Jordan family that you experience this year, you will experience at the same time a faithful Jesus who will carry his family through the waters to a place of rest. It's interesting about the rocks. Um, adults, I'll let you have a question. I know I keep giving them to all the kids, which has been a ton of fun. I get to have lots of fun conversations with you guys this week. Thanks, kids. Um, Adults, did you notice where the rocks came from? Did you, like, did you notice in the story? Where were the rocks that they were told to get? Yeah, not just in the Jordan River. The word midst was actually used. It just makes me feel like in the middle, my boys, you tall boys that were up here, when you were all stacked on each other's shoulders, at the deepest place of the river is where those rocks are found. It kind of shatters our idea of life a little bit because we're all like, well, we can stack enough rocks while we're young before the hard times that we'll never forget that God is faithful and we won't need deep, difficult, painful experiences in life to get our own rocks and stack our own piles to, remind, to, to, to serve as a reminder for us. But guys, I think in some interesting way, as difficult as it is for us to hear that, it's helpful for us to understand it helps us normalize that there will be deep river valleys in life because the rocks, guys, that God wants you to stack are the rocks that you find in the deepest river valleys you cross. 
the most life-giving, the most powerful reminder, the most beautiful rock piles for you and for your family will be discovered, unburied, uncovered, and carried to the dry ground in the deepest part of your river valley. You could almost say the dopest rocks are found in the deepest river. Like that's where they are. It takes a while until you're ready to stack those rocks though, doesn't it? We just want out of that river valley. Carry a rock, are you serious? Slow down and reflect on my time in the river and stack some rocks? Man, I don't know. But God wants us to take those steps as a reminder because when we don't, all we see in life are flooded Jordans. But when we slow down enough to stack the rocks, the flooded Jordans fade. They don't go away. They're there for all of life. But a faithful Jesus is seen to be better and stronger and more faithful and kinder to the point that when I look back on those piles of rocks, then I can step the sole of my feet into any flooded Jordan, believing that Jesus is right there with me. We stack the rocks. Hey, uh, kids, do any of you have a, uh, I'm curious, have any of your parents piled rocks in your house for this? Do any of you have a stack of rocks in your house? No, we don't. Now, it'd be kind of goofy if we all just started stacking rocks, but you could, you could PCS with a set of rocks or stones, and everywhere you went, maybe you write, you write a river experience on every one of those stones, and you set them up somewhere in the house, and once a month, you revisited every life event, every difficult season, every Jordan River that Jesus has walked you through um, as a way to remind your family that Jesus is faithful and kind and present and he will continue to carry us through. But you don't have to use rocks. You could have a monthly family feast. You could write things down as a family. Every family can do it differently. What we need to see in this, in this story is when God brings us through rivers, we slow down and we stack the rocks as a way to remember that God is faithful. All right. Kids, what kind of things is God going to do tomorrow for us? Together. You don't have to raise your hand. What kinds of things? Wonderful things. Amazing things. Miraculous things. Will there be difficult days for you this year? Yes. There will be very hard things. Some things will hurt. Some things will make you sad. Some of you will move this year and you will say goodbye to all the friends that you've made and move to another place just like you've done before. But in all of those difficult seasons, the flooded rivers, there will be a faithful Jesus who will carry you to rest. Now, let me just say, uh, we talk about it personally, but every Sunday when we gather, if you ever feel like, man, there's a lot of repetition in our church services, like we do the same things over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. All we try to do is stack rocks every Sunday. That's all we do. We try to stack a pile of rocks and every rock points us to Jesus. The lyrics of our songs, there's a rock. Communion that we share, there's a rock. The sermon that we preach and engage with, there's a rock. All the elements of our gathering is simply piling rocks that point us to our faithful Jesus. That's why Marines often feel at home in our church family because we just pick up heavy things and set them back down. Like we just stack rocks. That's what we do as a, as a church family. And then we draw pictures of them with crayon and, and then all the Marines are really, really at home. 
It's one of the most special things that we do, though, family. Like, this is why we come to church. We have to look at those rocks because we forget that Jesus is faithful and we're consumed with the Jordan rivers. Um, kids, one more question for you, I think. Maybe a couple more, but here's one more. Uh, here's, here's a question. Jesus was baptized. Where was he baptized? Whoa, did you ever think, stop and think, the same river that we're talking about now that he parted for his people is the same river that he was baptized in? It's beautiful. We'll talk about it for a moment. Joshua was the hero of that first crossing. Why? He brought God's people from the wilderness to a place of rest. Jesus is the true and better Joshua. Joshua just stood as a shadow of the of the better hero that Jesus would be. Jesus came into our wilderness, led us through an impassable river into a place of rest. What was that river that we couldn't cross? That river was our rebellion from God and the judgment that we were all facing because of our rebellion against a holy God. But instead of showing us judgment and letting us drown in the Jordan River, the Father sends Jesus better than Joshua, who brings us out of the wilderness of our sin and carries us safely across the water to a place where our souls can rest. Jesus is the true and better Joshua. Here's why I also really like that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. Jesus, man, think about what Paul says about baptism. Uh, I think about Romans chapter 6. He says, for those of you who have been baptized into Jesus, right, by faith, you've been united with Jesus in a death like his, you will also be united with Jesus in what? In a life like his, a resurrection from the dead like his. That's really good news when you stop and think about the Jordan rivers in life. Because guys, again, the gospel is very real with us. There is a Jordan river in this lifetime that will eventually take my life. Unless Jesus comes back for me before I die, at some point I'm going to die. I will be in a hardship. I will be in a flooded river valley that eventually takes my life. The beauty of Jesus' baptism and the beautiful reality that he was baptized in the waters of the Jordan. When I find myself in the Jordan that eventually takes my life, for me as a follower of Jesus, for you if you have been united with Christ, that drowning is no death. It is simply a baptism from the life that we live in this broken kingdom into the forever life that we live with Jesus in the beauty of his perfect kingdom under his kind kingly rule. Death in the Jordan loses all sting for us. And Jesus put an exclamation point on that by his own baptism in the Jordan River, which depicted his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. There is no fear for us in a flooded Jordan River Valley. And Jesus, uh, Jesus painted the best picture for us to realize that through his own baptism in those muddy waters. So friends, even when the Jordan takes your life, I mean, it can take your life. It's just a baptism from this broken kingdom into Jesus' beautiful kingdom. All right, we have to finish up. We talked about crossing rivers. We talked about stacking rocks. I just want to talk about rubble for a moment because um, we've been looking forward. We've been looking back. And some of you cannot look forward. You don't, 
You can't, you don't want to look back. You just need to look up for God's rescuing hand. This is in Nehemiah chapter 4. Uh, in this portion of the Bible, these people are trying to rebuild the broken walls around Jerusalem. And they're discouraged. Look at this verse. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Guys, the, the gospel gives us the freedom this morning to just raise our hands and say, look, forget the river. I'm just sitting in a pile of rubble. I can't even make it to the riverbank of the Jordan right now. I'm in a pile of rubble. My strength is failing. The burdens that I have been carrying has sapped my strength. Look at those, that, right in the middle, that short sentence. There's too much rubble. Like some of you just feel that. Your life is strewn with rubble. And maybe the most freeing line in that whole verse, by ourselves, by myself, I will not be able to rebuild the wall. And this is where the gospel becomes good news, family. Because the gospel would say that every one of us was in a a rubble heap, and none of us could rebuild the wall. Jesus had to come to us and rescue us and rebuild it for us. And even now, that remains true. When we are overwhelmed in the difficult seasons of life, it is so good for our hearts to have the freedom to be able to raise our hands and say, I am in a pile of rubble, and I can't rebuild this mess. All I can do is look up and cry out for my rescuing King Jesus to come and rescue me. Then look at what Nehemiah says to encourage his people. Look at this. In verse 14, he says, hey, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of your enemies. What does he want them to do in place of fear or as an antidote to fear? What does he say? Remember. What do we do to remember? What do we do to remember? How do we remember? We stack rocks and we look back at the stacks of rocks. But then you're like, John, my stack of rocks became the pile of rubble. Or I can't see the stack of rocks because I'm surrounded by rubble. Then what? Like I can't remember. But, but here's freedom here. It's only calling you to remember one thing. Remember the Lord. Just remember God. You may not be able to remember the things that he has done. Just remember that he is there and cry out to him. But look, here's what I want to show you. Here's really good news. The weight of that for you being in the rubble is not all on your shoulders. It's on the shoulders of our family collectively. Look at this. He wants us to remember the Lord who is great and awesome, greater than the river, more awesome than the river, greater than your pile of rubble. But then, what's the next command that he gives? Remember in what? What? What is it? with a little enthusiasm. It's a new year. Remember, new year. New year. Thanks, Owen. <laughs> What's the next command? Fight. Now, hold on. Fight for your rights. Fight for yourself. Fight to get yourself out of the rubble. That's not the command, is it? It's an others-focused fighting. Look at this. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your home. Hey, listen. If you're in a pile of rubble this morning, 
you have a God who sees you and has empathy on you and compassion, and he sends Jesus to you in the pile of rubble. But more than that, he places you in a family. Guys, listen, the family has the command. Fight for your family members in the rubble. And I want you to know, if 2022 for you represents a season of rubble, if you can't even get to the riverbanks of the Jordan right now, that's okay. Here's how this family works. We turn around, we leave the riverbanks of the Jordan, we find you in your rubble pile, and we sit with you for as long as it takes. And if you can't remember, we will gently remember with you that there is a God and that he loves you. And listen, here's the beauty of what God does. What today is your strewn pile of rubble, tomorrow becomes your stacked rocks. The very stones today that are a curse to you and that are crushing you and killing your soul. When Jesus is done doing his redemptive, restorative work, when Jesus has carried you through the Jordan River, on the other side, your pile of rubble that is death-inducing becomes a life-giving pile of stacked rocks. And I just want you to know that here in this family, you don't have to prove yourself. You don't fix your own rubble pile. You don't make it to the river on your own. You don't cross on your own. None of us do. And because that's true, this is the kind of family where you just confess your pile of rubble. And by God's grace, we strive to run towards each other in those rubble piles. And hand in hand, we sit in the rubble until Jesus is through with the restoration. And hand in hand, our souls step into the Jordan River and our faithful Jesus carries us through the flooded Jordan. And just as his people found rest on the other side of the Jordan then, Jesus still gives his people rest on the other side of the Jordan today. Grant and and, and the team are going to come and lead us uh, singing, and then we will pray together. As they come, let me just close, uh, close in prayer. Jesus, I know there's a lot of talking in sermons, and there can be a lot of noise, sometimes too many words. But I pray that you would give us a moment of silence now, to reflect on the rivers, to look back on the rocks. But Father, especially a moment of reflection and silence for those who are in our room, who are in pain, unable to move from the rubble that may be this last year or this last month. Father, you promised to be a compassionate God of mercy. And so we pray for our brothers and sisters, our friends who are in the rubble, that this morning, Jesus, you would come to them personally and in power, and that you would give peace, that you would restore hope, that you would heal the wounds and alleviate the pain. And Father, help us to follow your lead and to be the kind of family that we're not caught up in crossing our own Jordan rivers. We are crossing as a family. We are going to the promised land together. This is not an individual sport. So Father, help us to slow down. Help us to turn around. Help us to go back. And help us to start the year by sitting in rubble with our friends and with brothers and with sisters. Jesus, you're in no hurry. You will restore. Help us to slow down. 
and to be about that work of restoration too. Father, please come in your power and restore through your spirit. Amen. Thank you.